Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. You know, last Sunday night we had a believers meeting. The Sunday night before that I taught on what is a believers meeting. And a couple weeks before that, I think we had a worship service. And as you know, we've been promoting Brother Hagen's book, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. Made a special deal for you in the bookstore. You can get it cheaper there than you can get it anywhere else. And uh, because we, we, we want you to see some things that the Spirit of God has been trying to get across to the church for quite a while now. Amen. Back in the 1980s, uh, well, from the 1950s on, the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin and said, go teach my people faith. And he, the Lord said, I've taught you faith and I've, I've allowed you to, I've taught you through my word and I've allowed you to uh, go through certain experiences. He said, you've, you've learned faith both by the word and by the experiences that I've allowed you to have. And he said, go teach my people faith. And so Brother Hagin did that. He was a prophet and really an apostle to this generation on the message of faith. What, a, what, what an impartation to, this, to our generation, to the church world, Brother Hagin was. What a, what a prophet he was. What an important place he, he had in the plan of God for preparing the church for the last days. Then in the 1980s, the Lord spoke to him and said, he said, there are a lot of other good faith teachers that have been raised up who can carry, out this, carry on this message of faith. He told Brother Hagin, I want you to go and teach my people about the Holy Spirit. And, from, and if, if you tracked his ministry, from the 1980s, there was a shift. There was a change in his emphasis. He still taught on faith, you know, because faith is scriptural. It's a Bible doctrine, a Bible truth. We'll always teach on it. But then he began to teach on the Holy Spirit, began to, to really focus on that. The Lord said to him, he said, go teach my people about the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord said to him, he said, there is a, 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 a move of the Holy Spirit that will be lost to this generation unless someone teaches them. And, uh, you know, at the time that Brother Hagen started talking about that and told what the Lord had said, we looked around, you know, at the charismatic world and the Pentecostal world, and we saw that, uh, you know, that there, there tended to be a, a, uh, a shallowness among charismatics, they really didn't know much about the deeper moves of the Holy Spirit. And then among Pentecostals, there was a, a waning of Holy Spirit power and Holy Spirit experience. I've told you before that when I was in the Pentecostal denomination that I was in for, from the time that I was a child, I was my family, I was born in that church until in the mid-1970s or late 70s when I, I left that denomination, even at that time, uh, less than half of the members of most Pentecostal churches, it was true of our church, less than half of the minister, members of the Pentecostal churches actually had been filled with the Spirit and had actually spoke with other tongues. There, there, it, was, it was something people believed in still. It was on the books. The doctrine was still there. But uh, because of a lot of wrong teaching about being unworthy and about tearing, a lot of unscriptural practices, a lot of people never did it in. Uh, uh, my, my wife's mother, uh, she and her husband, uh, Angela's dad, uh, he and, and her mom pastored f until she was 13 years old and pastored before that time. And, and up until the time she was 13 years old, they pastored in the church of God. Here they were pastors. Her mother had never been filled with the Holy Spirit. And to this day, this is not casting an aspersion on her, she's, she's never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And here she was, a pastor's wife in a Pentecostal denomination. And I'm, I'm certain 
that uh, the primary reason for that is she never felt worthy. And uh, there was a, a, because of a strong holiness uh, tradition and certain traditions that were not biblical that went along with it, just man-made rules and things, uh, uh, a lot of people didn't feel worthy and, uh, and so forth. But when, when Brother Hagin taught uh, about the Holy Spirit and said what the Lord said to him back in the 80s, we all looked around at the current condition of the spirit-filled, so-called spirit-filled world, the spirit-filled church, classical Pentecostals and Charismatics, and we could see that, but boy, there were, there were some things lacking. We could not have imagined what, is, what would have happened. We, we could not have imagined what has happened uh, in uh, so-called spirit-filled churches since Dad Hagen's passing. When he, when he talked about uh, that there's a move of God that will be lost to this generation, in no way could we have imagined what has happened uh, since Brother Hagin went to heaven. Not that his going to heaven uh, necessarily uh, uh, opened that door, but he was a voice. And uh, we've seen so much. We've seen the, the, the spirit-filled, so-called spirit-filled church, Pentecostals, Charismatics, and, and Word of Faith people. We've seen, so, we've seen so many fall so far, completely away from the things of the Spirit. And, uh, and so the Lord, you know, has had me teach on these different kinds of services because he wants us to maintain, and not just maintain, but go further. Not just maintain, but go further. Because this, uh, there is a move of the Holy Spirit that is being lost. Even right now, it's being lost. People are willfully, with their eyes open, evidently, just walking away from the things of the Spirit and, and exchanging the things of the Spirit for the things of this world and, and calling it godliness, calling it... Uh, service to God. And, uh, and so I want to teach tonight, the Lord stirred some things up in me and I saw some things tonight during worship in, in a way that I hadn't seen before that kind of answered some questions. I don't know if I'll get over into that tonight or not, but I, I want to lay the foundation here just talking about uh, uh, Holy Ghost services, Holy Ghost services. When, when Dad Hagen was alive, you know, he had Holy Ghost meetings. And a lot of our churches were stirred up uh, during that time and, and uh, followed that example. But there's been a waning of that in a lot of places. And uh, we, we have to stir ourselves up. The Bible says stir up the gift of God that's within you. And there's, there's different ways you can interpret that, different application. You can stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, we do have to stir ourselves up in the Spirit. Uh, stirring up spiritual gifts. He was talking to Timothy as a minister. Certain gifts of the Spirit had been imparted to him by the laying on of the hands of Paul. Paul laid his hands upon him and, and imparted certain spiritual endowments. And he was telling Timothy, stir up the gifts that are within you by the, by the laying on of my hands. So there's different um, applications of that. But we have to stir ourselves up. We have to stir ourselves up lest we lose what we've gained and what we've learned and, and not just stir ourselves up to where we've been, but go further, go deeper. There is a move of the Spirit that will be lost and is being lost now unless someone teaches. And thank God, uh, we, we didn't see it. I know I didn't see it. I didn't see the significance of it at the time. I didn't see uh, what was ahead. Just a short, short period of time after Dad Hagen left. Uh, like I said, we could not have foreseen this. But thank God the Holy Ghost was leading and guiding and, and raised up Brother Hagen for this important purpose. And so there are different kinds of, of services and, and the Lord wants us to have different kinds of services. Not all services are supposed to be the same. And one thing the Lord told, uh, 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 Jesus told Brother Hagin in this visitation, he said he has a purpose for every service. God has a purpose for every service. 
And so, we, like I said, we talked about, we identified, we didn't go into detail about all the different kinds of services. We have teaching services. We have, uh, you know, there are evangelistic services. There are worship services where we minister to the Lord. Uh, believers meetings like we had last week. And there are things that, that go along with each one of these kinds of services. And you'll notice that there are certain elements that are, that are in each of these services or different services. They're not just, uh, each kind of service doesn't just have its own set of elements or, or, or characteristics. There, there's a, there's a, uh, a spilling over. There are different uh, things that, uh, that happen in more than one kind of service. A Holy Ghost service is, first of all, where the word is taught and preached. Well, that applies to a lot of different kinds of services, isn't that right? Not so much to a worship service, but, but it applies to teaching service, evangelistic service, different kind of things. Uh, so, but a Holy Spirit uh, meeting or service <clears throat> is where, first of all, where the word is taught or preached. It's a meeting where uh, the needs of the people are met. Well, again, that can apply to a lot of different kinds of meetings. Uh, it, a Holy Ghost meeting is, is, a, is a meeting where there are manifestations and demonstrations of the Spirit. Well, that can happen in different kinds of meetings. We talked uh, last week about believers' meetings, and I talked about it the week before. Believers' meetings will have <clears throat> some of these characteristics of Holy Ghost meetings, but it's the emphasis that's different. In a believers' meeting, we come together, believers come together. It's, if, it's not really for outsiders. It's not really for the unsaved. The unsaved might wander in, you know, and show up in a service, but if they do, there should be so much power uh, in manifestation that they will recognize that God is among us and, and, and fall, the Bible says, and falling on their face, they will acknowledge, acknowledge that God is in you. So believers' meetings should have that degree of power. Uh, so there will be demonstrations of the Spirit in believers' meetings, but primarily a believers' meeting is, is where we come to believers come to minister to one another by the inspiration of the Spirit. That's different than a, a worship service, and it's different than a Holy Ghost service, even though in Holy Ghost services we have demonstrations of the Spirit. The thing that is that it has some of these characteristics that, we've, that I've already mentioned, the Word is taught, uh, the needs of the people are, are met, demonstrations of the Spirit are in manifestation, uh, but the thing that's, that's, prime, that's the biggest characteristic of a Holy Ghost service is the joy of the Lord's in manifestation. It's a service where it's a, it's a joy service. Amen? And, and of course, you, we're to have joy all the time. But I'm talking about where there's a manifestation in the church among us of the joy of the Lord. Amen? And so some of these uh, things happen. Uh, demonstrations of the Spirit and, and manifestations of the Spirit work together with the joy of the Lord. Amen? Uh, we know that there are nine manifestations of the Spirit. Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse number 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Another word for the manifestation of the manifestations of the Spirit is the word gifts, gifts of the Spirit. He calls the gifts of the Spirit, he referred to those in verse number 4, but he referred to them in verse number 7 as the manifestation of the Spirit. I really like that better. Both are, are right, they're both scriptural, but when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, they are a manifestation of the Spirit. They're not, that's the thing that, that distinguishes spiritual gifts from, from human ability and human talents is that it's a manifestation of the Spirit. It's not a manifestation of a person's education. It's not a manifestation of their learning. It's not a manifestation of, of, uh, uh, of, of other things. It's a manifestation. It's the Spirit manifesting himself. And so we know that there are 12 manifestations or gifts of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. And we know about those. The purpose of the manifestations of the Spirit are threefold. There are three categories of, of spiritual manifestations or gifts. There are the vocal gifts, there are revelation gifts, and there are power gifts. The, purpose, uh, the purposes of these, of these three 
different kinds of manifestation is first of all to edify and, and to inform. That would be the, the, the utterance gifts. To reveal things, that would be the revelation gifts. And to demonstrate God's power. And those would be the power gifts. And, uh, and to minister to people in the power of God. And uh, there, the Bible talks about manifestations of the Spirit, but then it also talks about demonstrations of the Spirit. Turn back over to chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 2, and you'll uh, notice Paul described how he uh, came and how his ministry was uh, delivered there in Corinth when he first formed the church there, when he first came and preached to them. Verse number four, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, it says, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but my speech and my preaching were in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The purpose of the demonstrations of the spirit is to convince people of God's power so that they'll have faith in his power. That's the purpose of demonstrations of the spirit. To convince people of his power, that they'll understand that God's power is real and they'll have faith in that power. Because you see, God's power cannot work for us beyond our faith in that power. If we don't have faith in his power, his power will not do anything for us. We saw that in, in uh, Jesus' ministry in his hometown of Nazareth. He, he had the power to heal everybody there. But he said that, uh, that he could not do any mighty work there. Well, he did mighty works everywhere else, but he could not do it in Nazareth, in, in his own hometown there. And it says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Only a few people with minor ailments were ministered to. Well, it wasn't God's will. It was God's will for them all to, for blind eyes to open, deaf ears, uh, crippled to walk and so forth, you know, the dead to be raised, the things that happened in other places. Uh, that was one of the things, you know, that, that, that they said, this, the things that we've heard in other places, why don't you do them here? Well, he said a prophet is, is not without honor except among his own, in his own town, among his own people. And so because of unbelief, the power of God, even though the power of God was there because of unbelief without faith in it is another way of saying that, then the power of God didn't do them any good. So demonstrations of the Spirit and demonstrations of power are to convince people of the power of God so that they'll have faith in it. Verse number five, he said, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. God wants to manifest himself in the church, but he also wants to demonstrate himself, not only in the church, but also to the world. Believers need demonstrations of the Spirit, even though we're believers, even though we, uh, uh, on one level, we believe in the power of God, that, that doesn't necessarily mean we're exercising faith in it. There, there are people who, who come to me sometimes and they say, Pastor, I know it's God's will to heal me. I'm convinced of that. But for some reason, I am not able to lay hold of it. I, I, I don't seem to be able to exercise faith for my own healing, though I believe in it. Well, on the one level, on one level, they have faith in the power of God, but on another level, they don't. Well, the way, uh, one way God has uh, ordained and provided for people to have faith in the power of God is for his power to be in demonstration. Amen. We, we need the demonstrations of the spirit and of power. Uh, there are different kinds of demonstrations of the spirit. And uh, it's good for us to go over these things because I have, as we get into it, you'll see uh, uh, what I'm talking about. I got some more insight into it tonight just, just during the service. Uh, what are some of the different demonstrations of the Spirit? Well, when we have a service sometimes, you, you've been in services where this has happened. It happens fairly frequently, not every service. Some services we come in and the Lord has given me direction we, we uh, 
do the things that we ordinarily do in a service. I've got direction. I get up. I know where the service is going. I know what the Lord has given me to, to teach or to preach on or how to minister, and I do it. But you know as, as well as I do, there are sometimes we come in and you, you detect that the Holy Spirit has just kind of taken over. And the service is not going according to any particular set plan. And, and it's just wonderful in those times to see how the Holy Spirit sort of orchestrates things. And, and, and Brother Steve will do certain things with worship. And then, and then the Lord will have me minister one way and then somebody else. And, and none of it was planned. Well, that's a demonstration of the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit just demonstrating how he orchestrates and leads and guides supernaturally in a service. Now, in times when that's not happening, he's still leading and guiding because he's already led. I got direction before the service, maybe a week before the service. I got direction tonight about this service before I got here. Uh, so the Spirit of God does, does lead. But then there are times, like I said, you've, you've, you know what I'm talking about. We're just in a service and you know none of this was, was even expected. Nobody even saw and expected God to do what he did. Well, those are, those are times where, where the Spirit is in demonstration, amen. Leading, guiding, directing a church service in unexpected, unplanned, and unusual ways. The different anointings uh, are demonstrated in services, uh, different people have different anointings. Different ministry gifts have different anointings. Uh, as a pastor, you know, I'm, I have an anointing as a pastor, but all pastors aren't anointed exactly the same way. And there are different other, other ministries, and that's why I try to bring in people with different kinds of ministries, is so that we'll see the variety of of ministry offices and different kinds of anointings. Well, those, those are ways that the Spirit demonstrates himself. Uh, and then there are different, uh, 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 just demonstrations of God's power among us. And uh, I've listed these things before, but it's good for us to go over. I'll, get it, I'll just give you a little preview of, of what I hope to be able to get into tonight. But God, God wants us to have all the demonstrations of the Spirit because they're, they're scriptural. And we, we have to maintain our hunger for these things. We have to stir ourselves up in these areas because if we don't, we lose them. They wane. Now, I'm going to say we about what I'm about to say. I'm going to say we, so it's, I'm just not talking to you. I'm talking to myself as well. We, and I think it's just part of our, of our human nature, we have a tendency to go for a while where we really don't see the Spirit demonstrating himself, and then we get hungry, and we'll have a, a Holy Ghost meeting where we have demonstrations of, and the joy of the Lord is present, and, and there are different demonstrations of the Spirit, some hilarious things going on, just, you know, being drunk in, in the Spirit. Just one, we have a, and we'll talk about that for, for the next several days. We, I said, not you, I said we, we have a tendency to be satisfied very easily and then sort of not uh, press into those things as much as we should the next week or two. And we go for a while and, and, and those things wane. Well, let me, let me bring balance here. Not every service is supposed to be a believer's meeting. Not every service is supposed to be a teaching meeting. Not every service is supposed to be a worship meeting. Not every service is supposed to be a Holy Ghost meeting. But we are supposed to have them. Amen? And we should have demonstrations of the Spirit and of power, not only in Holy Ghost meetings, but in other meetings. So we have to maintain a hunger for these things. Well, what are some of these, some more of these things? Well, there, there's the, the uh, uh, demonstration of people falling under the power of God. You know, that's a demonstration of the Spirit. The Bible talks about three different kinds of prostrations in the, in the Bible. There are voluntary falling where people would fall in worship and praise. Uh, there is 
the falling under a heavy burden. Remember when, when Jesus was in Gethsemane that he, that he fell uh, uh, under that weight of that burden. But then the Bible talks about falling, uh, coming into contact with the power of God. Now, there, there, there are people who fall because they're conditioned to fall. And there are people who fall because of the power of God. Well, we want the power of God into manifestation to such a degree that people fall under that power. As, as spirit-filled people, we have to, to maintain these things. They're, it's not just up to God to maintain these things. As, as Pentecostal people, as charismatic people, generally people who speak with other tongues are in this, are in this general category. As spirit-filled people, we like to, uh, not, in a, not in, a, in a carnal way, but we pride ourselves in believing the whole Bible. Isn't that right? We call ourselves full gospel. I mean, we believe in all of it. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we think about uh, other people in the church world, well, they've, you know, they've watered this down and they say this doesn't uh, happen anymore and this isn't for today. Tongues isn't for today. Healing, you know, God doesn't always heal. And, and as Pentecostal people, we sort of pride ourselves and we believe, no, we believe in all of it. Isn't that right? And, uh, but do we really have all of it? See, we believe in all of it, but do we have all of it? And if we're not having all of it, do we really believe in all of it? Amen. The, 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 as Pentecostals, we believe that we have returned to the New Testament. Isn't that right? We've gone, we've gone back to the book of Acts, brother. We're, we're living in the book of Acts. And we've returned to the New Testament pattern. Well, do we really have the New Testament pattern? Not so much all the time. We have certain things, but there are certain things that, that, we, that we don't see a whole lot of, that we could see a whole lot, a whole lot more of, but you see, we backslide. I talk to backsliders every Sunday morning, but I tell you what, sometimes all of us could come down front. Right. Amen. Sometimes all of us could come to the front. And, and collectively as a church, sometimes we slide back in some things. And uh, as Pentecostal people, the real proof, uh, Pentecostal people like to, like to use this word apostolic. In other words, a returning to the days of the apostles. It's called apostolic ministry. That's just a term, you know, that you use. Some Pentecostal groups use that term more than others. But that's generally the sense of returning to the, the truths and the experiences of the apostles. Uh, in, not just the 12 apostles, but all of the apostles in, in, the, in the New Testament. Well, the, the real proof of our apostolicity, I don't know if that's a word or not, but I'll just throw it out. I'll make one if not. Uh, the proof of that is in what we have. Do our services actually reflect what we see in the Bible? And, and if they don't, then we need to stir ourselves up for these things. Amen. Oh, boy, it's... Difficult not to get over on something else here, but praise the Lord, I might before it's over. Uh, you, you see falling under the power. You see many examples of that. You know, in the Old Testament, the dedication of Solomon's temple. They could not minister, could not stand to minister. They fell under the power of God. Peter, James, and John at the Mount of Transfiguration fell under the power of God. The soldiers who came to arrest Jesus in Gethsemane, when he spoke to them, they fell down. We have many examples of that. You're familiar with a lot of those. Uh, but then we have, there's another demonstration of the Spirit, and that is uh, a bright light flashing. Remember Saul and his companions uh, were traveling to Damascus, and on the road to Damascus, Jesus spoke and, and the Bible says that a, that a light brighter than the noonday sun, so it was at noon, and brighter than the sun, a light fell from heaven on Saul and his traveling companions. 
Now, now let me say this about some of these things I'm going to talk about. We don't have scripture for claiming falling under the power. What I mean by that, we have scripture for it happening, but we don't have scripture to claim it as a covenant right. To say it this way, you don't have the right to say, God, I'm believing you to, to have your power come on me so strong that I can't stand up. I fall under the power of God. That's not something you can believe for. But we can collectively believe in it. We, we can't claim it. Let me put it this way. We can't claim it at any specific time, but we can believe for it collectively to happen as the Spirit wills. Because if the Spirit willed in the Old Testament for people to fall under the power and people fell under the power in the New Testament, then we have the right to expect to happen it to happen today. And so we can believe for that. That doesn't mean that Ray can say, well, I'm going to believe in God, I'm going to fall out under the power tonight. No, he can't believe that. But you understand what I'm saying? Collectively, we can believe for these things to happen. And we, and we must do that. Or we'll lose a lot of what the Holy Ghost has for us. You know, the bright light, we, we have that in, in, in the book of Acts. You say, well, it, it only happened one time. That's right. The things that I'm going to talk about here, you know, audible voices, blindness, dumbness, wind, visions, dreams, shaking bills, these things didn't happen every day. If you find somebody that they're falling out under the power all the time, you know, no, that's, that's probably not God. If you have somebody comes in and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I was just, you know, I was, uh, you know, my study yesterday and a light came and, you know, shine, you know, right out of heaven. And, and then that happened to me last week and week before that. And this happens, happens every Wednesday at three o'clock. No, no, no. That's, that's not scriptural. But we know it's not scriptural because it didn't happen that frequently in the New Testament. But on the other hand, it did happen. I, you all know Brother Hagin's story. He was in a service one time and... Uh, uh, you know, we see wind in, in, in the Bible. On the day of Pentecost, a rushing mighty wind came in, filled the whole house where they were sitting. Well, you don't see that happening again, but you see it happening. Well, if it happened, then it can happen now. Brother Hagin, you know this story. He was in a service one, one of the time when he was preaching. I think he was in a church just holding a meeting, you know, back in the days when he was holding meetings in churches. And he said while he was preaching, all of a sudden a wind just blew. He said you could hear it. Just this wind blew in. And when the wind blew in, he said every unsaved person was saved. Just like that. And every person that wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost was sitting there in their, in their pew speaking with other tongues. Just a wind of God came in. Every sick person was healed. Well, that tells me that God is, can still move that way. Now, I, again, I'm not saying we ought to believe God for to have a wind service. I'm saying that we ought to have the demonstrations of the Spirit. And we ought to have more than we have. Amen. We can have more than we have. Brother Hagin told about another time that he was in a service and while he was preaching, he said it was like a flashbulb went off. You know, there's, younger people know what I'm talking about. But years ago, we had cameras that had flashbulbs in them and you put a bulb in every time you wanted to take a, a, a photograph, you know, you, you, you put a bulb in and it flashed one time. You had to take the bulb out and put another one in for another picture. And, and it was so bright that it, when, when it would go off just for a, a, maybe a half a second, it would sort of blind you. If you were in the room, particularly if you were looking in that direction, you, you couldn't see. He said he was preaching one night, and it was just like a flash went off. And for just a moment, it kind of blinded. And, and then when everybody could see again, it was just a moment. He said the altar was full of people. And they weren't down there before the flash. And every unsaved person in the building was in the altar calling on God. All the backsliders were in the altar praying and seeking God and nobody knew how they got there. He said it was just that fast. Well, how can you explain that? It's just a demonstration of God's power. It's a sign. There are things God does for signs and, and, and they were just there. Nobody knew how they got there. No, they were in the middle of a row or a you know, pew and they were the people to say, well, they didn't, I didn't feel anybody coming out, you know, 
by me. I don't know how they got down there. There's, well, if, if God has done those things, God can do those things. Amen. We have uh, audible voices. Now, let me tell you, again, we can't seek audible voices. If you seek audible voices, you will likely get deceived. So it's a dangerous thing for a person to seek an audible voice. It's a dangerous thing for a person to seek a vision. We do not ask God that we might have visions. We we don't do that because you can be deceived that way. On the other hand, Acts chapter 2 says, In the last days, my young men shall see visions and my old men will dream dreams. Well, if he said it would happen in the last day, it ought to be happening. Why aren't we seeing more of these things? Do you understand the balance? You can't seek it for yourself, but at the same time, we can seek the demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. We have to do this. Because if we, if we, don't, if we don't have a hunger for them and a desire for them, we will never see them. There is a, we are... We believe that we're in the last days. I don't think anybody here would would say they don't believe that. We don't know for certain that we're in the last of the last days. But we believe we are. All of the indications are. We have the witness in our spirit that we're coming up to the very end of the church age. And, And we know that there must be a harvest in these last days. And harvest never comes without the move of the Holy Ghost. There has to be a, a, a worldwide shaking and moving by the Holy Spirit. Well, if, if the Holy Spirit's going to move in like he's never moved before, or you could put it like this, if he's going to move in ways like he's always done, everything he's ever done before, then we're going to have to see these things. We will have to have a hunger for these things. With the building shaking, we see that in the book of Acts. We see people falling into trances. Peter, you know, went up on the rooftop, fell into a trance. Uh, in, in, we see bodily translation. Is this just for the Bible or can it happen? No takers? Is it just in the Bible or can it happen? Well, as this, we can't say when it should happen because it's as the Spirit wills. But at the same time, we, we, don't, we don't experience today in, in, in our camp, in our community, wherever you want to call our, you know, in our group of believers, we don't experience even the things that other generations have experienced in recent years. That's the truth. You remember the story of Maria Woodsworth Edder. She was an evangelist back in, I don't even know, one the 19... 30s or something, but she, she was in uh, St. Louis, fiery evangelist. She was in St. Louis preaching one night in a, in a citywide crusade, and she was preaching and she was making a point. She did her finger like that to make a point, and when she did, she was just frozen. She just, the Holy Spirit came on her, and she just, in mid-sentence, just stopped with her mouth open, her eyes open, and she stood like that for three days and three nights. She didn't blink. All of her bodily functions were suspended. She just stood there. And, you know, eventually the service ended. People filed out. She's still standing there. Well, of course, people stayed, you know, to see what was going on. But the service was up. And the newspaper even picked it up and and ran a story in the newspaper. And over that three-day period, they said thousands of people in the city came to that crusade site and filed past just to see this woman standing like this. And after three days and three nights, suddenly the Holy Spirit, they were in, you know, they're, I'd come back the next night, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, three days, three nights later, three nights later, she's standing in, in, in service like that and the people there, and suddenly the Holy Ghost came, you know, lifted off of her and she finished the sentence that she was preaching three days before and finished her message. Can God do things like that today? Yeah. Brother Hagen talks about preaching one time when he, in, uh, he said there was a, a, a young woman that got up on the altar bench. They had altar benches back then. And, and, she, and, while, and while, uh, uh, his, while he was preaching, she would get up 
and she would pray back and forth and she would walk, you know, on this altar bench and she, and, and she would pray until someone, a sinner would respond. She was praying sinners into the altar and she would walk back and forth and she had her eyes closed and she had her eyes completely closed and without having her eyes open, she'd get right to the end of the altar bench and she'd turn around and she'd walk back the other way praying in other tongues. And, and you could, everybody saw her. She had her eyes closed, so she, there was no way she knew she was at the end of the altar bench. But when she'd get to the end of it, she'd turn around and walk back. Well, you couldn't even walk on the altar bench very far without falling off, you know, uh, without supernaturals. You had your eyes closed. But then every time a sinner would get up and come to the altar, she would dance, just dance a few steps in the spirit, and then go back interceding for the lost. She's praying and interceding. And, and, and she would do that. She'd walk back and forth, never go off the end of it. And then every time a sinner would get up and come to the altar without watching, she didn't see them with her eyes, she would, she would just know that. And she would dance, you know, in the spirit just a few steps and go back again. And when all the sinners in the church had, had come to the altar, she, when she got to the end of the altar bench, Brother Hagin said he, he, he saw it. His wife saw it. He saw all, everybody in that church saw it. She walked right off the end of that altar bench in midair and danced in the spirit and then walked back onto the bench and then the Holy Ghost lifted off her and she got off the bench and went and sat down. Danced in midair. So, well, I don't believe anything like that. Well, you know, uh, if, you, if you know anything about Brother Hagin's life, uh, in the stories that he told, I mean, there were people around his ministry for all of those 60-plus years who were in a lot of those meetings, and there were people there that testified, yep, this happened, that happened. I mean, nobody ever came up and said, we were in that service, Brother Hagin, that didn't happen. All of those things that happened, he had people that corroborated those things. And uh, so, you know, uh, these things happened, Uh we have in the, in the New Testament people taking on the appearance, their face taking on the appearance of an angel. Remember that happened to Stephen. We see in Jesus' ministry, his faith, face and his clothes uh, began to shine and, 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 uh, like the sunlight. Uh, we see shouting, running, dancing, laughing, drunkenness, shaking, we see all kinds of demonstrations of the Spirit in the Bible and in Pentecostal history. I've talked about how, you know, the old-timers in, in, in the Pentecostal revival at the turn of the 20th century, some of the signs and wonders that they would see. Sometimes they took up serpents and, and were not bitten by them. Or if they were bitten, they, they, they felt no ill effect. We saw that in, in, in Paul's ministry. Uh, I talked about, you know, the hot uh, stove pipes, you know, the old stoves they have, how they would put their arms around those stove pipes and lift them up and carry them around. Well, why would God do something like that? I don't know. It's just a sign. It's just a sign. I told the story. It's just the craziest story I ever heard, but it was actually my great uncle. When, when in, you know, Pentecostal denominations uh, developed a tradition over time that taught that you speak with other tongues when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but you don't speak again unless the Holy Spirit especially moves on you. You don't just speak in tongues anytime you want to. It's in a service or when there's a time when you're especially touched, you know, by the Spirit of God and especially moved upon, then you speak with other tongues and any other time you don't speak. And, uh, but that the old timers didn't believe that. That's, that's a tradition that developed over the years. My great uncle, my grandmother's brother, when they, my, my aunts and uncles told me that uh, he spoke in tongues all the time. He was one of those uh, that got filled with the Holy Ghost back in the you know, f- uh, first few years of the 20th century. said he spoke with tongues all the time. Just, just anytime you talk to him, he just speak with tongues. He just talked to you in tongues. He speak in tongues, you know, just all the time. And they said he went into a restaurant one time and he sat down. And as custom, he's just sitting there talking in tongues. The server came out. And he's just talking in tongues, you know. Well, people say, well, that's just, that's just not right, you know. That's not what the Holy Spirit's for. Well, I'm just telling you what happened. My aunts and uncles told me this happened. He's talking in tongues. The, the waiter went to the kitchen and brought food out. Set the food down, and the, and the other people that were there with my uncle, they said, what is this? And they said, well, the man ordered it. 
he spoke with other tongues and the server understood the language he was speaking and he ordered food in other tongues. Well, you, people, I know that would make Baptist people just pull their hair out. I understand that. There's, there's no scripture for that, but you don't have any scripture against it. It's a sign of God's power. I don't know why God would do that, order food in other tongues. I, I mean, I don't know. I can't, I can't explain it. I'm just saying there are some demonstrations of God's power that defy explanation. We, we have to have these things. And if we're going to have them, we're going to have to contend for them. Again, nobody go out of here and, and believe God to be able to order food in other tongues. <laughs> or handle snakes or stove pipes or dance off of altar benches. Nobody's going to claim that for themselves. That's not what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying. You say, well, why do you keep you know, making this clear? Because there's always somebody that misunderstands. And I want to make sure you don't misunderstand. We, you cannot claim an audible voice. You cannot claim a vision. You cannot claim, uh, 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 you know, some of these demonstrations for yourself. But we can claim all that God has for us. And we need to be open to anything and everything he wants to do. Amen. But we need to keep ourselves pure. Brother Hagen, in, in uh, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits, when he was talking about believers' meetings, he said one thing they did in those meetings, he said they kept their worship in the spirit. They didn't get in the flesh. We need to stay in the spirit. Not, not too long ago, I, I, I was in a service, and I saw people supposedly dancing in the Holy Spirit. When Brother Hagen talked about dancing in the Spirit in Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits, he, he talked about the charismatics, the way they danced. We used to do that in our church. You know, just get out in the aisle and do that little charismatic two-step, you know. And, and he said that's not in the Spirit. It's just something people do. It's really in the flesh. He said that's bringing the things of the world into the worship of God. And... Uh, I was in some services recently, and, and uh, this one particular church I was in, all the young people, and I say young people, but mostly college-age people, young adults, on the, it was a large auditorium, and on the right-hand side of the auditorium, uh, you know, 50 or 60 uh, college-age people and, and some younger that would come down, and during praise and worship, they'd jump up and down. Can I illustrate that for you? Just, just like that, just jumping up and down. And while praise and worship is going on, they're jumping up and down. And, and the pastor was talking, he was bragging about how he was so proud of his young people, how they flowed with the Spirit. And he's referring to that. That's not in the Holy Ghost. I knew that I got out of the, of the, uh, of the secular music scene back in the, in the mid-70s. But I remember that there was, there was something going on back in those days in certain rock concerts where people would jump up and down. So I Googled, I just Googled these words, jumping up and down in concerts. You can Google this yourself tonight if you want to. Jumping up and down in concerts. And I found out that that's actually a dance. It's called the pogo dance. It's called the pogo dance, and its origin is traced back to a rock band. This is going to date some of you. A rock band in the late uh, 60s or 70s, a rock band called the Sex Pistols. Some of you think, oh, dear God, what a name. Does, any, does anybody remember? I don't, I'm not saying that you went to their concerts. I'm just saying you remember them. Does anybody else remember them besides me? Yeah, the Sex Pistols. And the leader of that band's name was Sid Vicious. And in his concerts, they, they pioneered. That's where that pogo dance originated. The Sex Pistols, in case you don't know, they were a grunge band. Or what, do you, what, what would be the, somebody help me out. What kind of music was it? 
Huh? I can't hear you. Heavy metal, but it wasn't just heavy metal. It was kind of punk rock. That's what they were a punk rock group. And today we have the specter of people in church dancing like that and, and that jumping up and down still goes on. And that's, I'm just saying that's where it started and it still goes on today in secular concerts. And now we have the specter of people doing that in church and calling it worship. Inspired by the sex pistols. Ain't that something? It's something that ain't ought to be. Isn't that right? That's not the Holy Ghost. We, what the church, where the church has, has uh, drifted and what it's drifted into in uh, recent years is we've tried to make our worship service, I'm, not ta- I'm talking about collectively the body of Christ. People have tried to make their, their worship services and their church services feel and look like a secular entertainment venue. With, with, and you know what I'm talking about. With all of the elaborate lights and the sounds and the, and the uh, uh, effects that go on in church. From smoke to the, you know, just, it's not, it's not any one thing as much it is, as it is the sum of all of these things is to make church as much like an entertainment venue that people go to in the world as possible, but yet still keep preaching the gospel. Still keep calling people to Jesus, but pattering the service after an entertainment venue. This ought not be. Grieves the spirit of God. In the Old Testament, God's people had a unique form of worship. God's people had a unique form of worship. Even uh, when the law was introduced, there were, there were certain prescribed ways to worship the Lord. And a worship service in the Old Testament had certain components that were prescribed by the law. The Levites were not only those who kept, the, the, uh, uh, kept up the temple, kept all of the... the uh, uh, you know, the, what am I, uh, the, the, the uh, organization and, and the effects and all of the things that had to be kept up with, they, did, they were also the singers and the musicians. And, and, their, and, the, and the type of worship they had was unique to Israel. It did not look like the worship of Moloch or Baal. It didn't. It was unique to the people of God. The most outstanding principle or the most outstanding thing in the worship of God, when the, people, when the children of Israel were in fellowship and obeying him and flowing with him, the most distinctive feature in their worship was God's glory. The glory would come in and fill God's presence. God has always ordained that his people experience his glory. His presence. It's something that, like I, like I said tonight when I first walked up here, God's presence, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in all this world. There's nothing like God and there's nothing like his presence. We have the presence of God available to us that the world cannot know or have or experience and it should satisfy us. You all know that people in the world, unsaved people, you've heard this all your life, people who follow after uh, illicit sex, drugs, alcohol, you know the argument. What are they trying to find? They're, 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 they're looking for a substitute for God. Don't we all know that? There's an empty place in their life and so they pursue alcohol, drugs, uh, sexual promiscuity, all of these things, worldliness. They pursue these things to fill that void, that emptiness. Well, the entertainment industry is part of that. When I say the word worldly, don't, don't think for a moment necessarily, don't think necessarily sinful. Think just of this world. 
The reason the old timers in Pentecost and the church that I came out of, Michelle came out of, and some of you, uh, these Pentecostal holiness type groups, the reason, I, I never really saw this. I just saw it in focus tonight. The reason why these early pioneers prohibited and said we do not participate in worldly amusement. And growing up, it didn't make any sense to me. We couldn't go to uh, ball games. We couldn't go to dances. We couldn't go to a lot of places where worldly people entertained themselves. And yet a lot of times there was nothing wrong going on, but what it was, the world has entertainment because of a need. They're trying to satisfy something that only God can provide. And so the early Pentecostals, they said, we don't need to participate in that. We need to participate in the glory. God ordained his church to have the glory of God and that glory is our entertainment, if you want to say it that way. The glory of God is what we long for. The glory of God is where we find our fulfillment and our joy is in his presence. There's a reason why the world keeps getting more and more extreme in its entertainment. There's a reason why the Super Bowl, Super Bowl halftime show gets more vile, more vulgar, more over the top. They keep pushing the envelope year after year after year. There's a reason for it. They're broke on the inside. They're hungry for God. They don't know what else to do. That's why they pursue those things. We are not supposed to pursue those things. It's not necessarily that there, now there are, there are a lot about those things that are wrong. Don't misunderstand me. There's a lot of the presentations and shows, they're vulgar, they're ungodly. But even the things that are not vulgar, that are not ungodly, the things of this world, the flash, the pop, the, the, the sensation, all of the entertainment you see on TV and in the movies and everything the world's after, we ought to be more satisfied Amen. with the things of God than to be hungering for those things. But what has the church done? The church says, we'll make the church feel like one of those things. We'll make our services look like and feel like and sound like and smell like something that people go to in the world. That, 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 by, by doing that, we'll entice some people from the world to come in because they can say, listen, you can have just as good a concert here. We've got all of the stage shows. We've got all of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, of the effects that they have in the world. You can get just as much entertainment in church. We're not supposed to be entertaining the world that way. What we're supposed to be doing is entering into his presence and entertaining his glory, not entertaining ourselves, entertaining his glory. That should be the thing that satisfies us. Amen. God intends, if you can say it this way, God wants to put on a show for us. Amen. He wants to put on a show for us that is spiritual in nature. Something that, that, that comes by the Spirit of God. Something that, that, that strikes a harmonious chord in our spirit. Something that in the Spirit we connect with and we experience that thrill of the supernatural, that thrill of the anointing, that thrill, that thrill of God's presence and his power. That's the way God wants to entertain us. If you want to use that, I don't like to use that word, but, but for reference sake, that's, way, that's the way God wants us to have fulfillment in our life. It's with his glory. Man. Hallelujah. And so that's why it rubs me the wrong way. When I see churches, it's none of my business. I don't mean that I'm angry about them because I don't really care what other people do. But in my spirit, it rubs me the wrong way to see churches trying to put on something that replicates what the world has. When why in the world would we want to bring ourselves down to that fleshly, uh, carnal uh, uh, you know, entertaining the flesh of man. We shouldn't. But what are we going to do 
On the other hand, we, 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 we can't just not have either. If you don't have either, you just become Methodist. <laughs> if you're Methodist, I'm just teasing, okay? I'm just, you know what I mean by that. If you don't have either, you just have dull, dead Christianity. So people boast, well, our church isn't dead, man. We've got a, a, a rock star-esque preacher and we've got a band that rivals anything that you can see at halftime. And I mean, we've got a cranking show and we put on a, well, you know, that's a substitute. And it makes sense that people will go to that. Well, they go to be entertained. We can have that or we can have Deadsville or we can have the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I, I put my vote in for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Yeah, I want the Holy Ghost. I want the real. I don't want the phony. I don't want the, I don't want the, the brass. I want the gold. That's what Brother Hagin talks about in his book. He says that, you know, in the Old Testament that uh, uh, one of the kings of Israel was at Jeroboam. Uh, he took the brass. He took the gold of the temple and, and, and gave it to Israel's enemies or Judah's enemies and, and let them plunder the house of God, the temple of God. But he replaced all those things that were made of gold. He replaced them with brass. Well, you know, a quick, you know, not very close look, it, it looks the same. It's shiny, it's kind of the same color, but it's not the same. And Brother Hagin says people have brought the brass of the world into the church and exchanged that for the gold of God's worship. That's what's in this book. You ought to read it. Amen. We need all of these demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. We need all of the manifestations of the Spirit. Oh, glory. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Sula havle finivishkia frevet via stefra pepeperenikia brebenbenenikofri adelegoronia. Help me pray. Bejigani, Veshi, Veshi, Bejigani, Veshi, Veshi, Bejigani, Vanzigo, Vianjizus, Dio, Gopo, Belevitoski, Edera, Itstikio, Bondra, Danzan, Donale, Ejinolishi, Gondomo, Zingondon, Non, Zenjigini, Gijingando, Zundon, Gonzondone, Jevin, Vinishiki, Dienjizion, Gondovunzo, Gevideski, Deji, Digi, Bonzigo, Vanzanda, Jemi, Menzigida, Jebi, Genzi, Medigia, Gigadaba, Jevi, Genji, Medjia, Geve, Davigio, Gopio, Jofia, Pesh, Kiafia, Skevio <laughs> 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. The younger generation must be on guard, especially. There is such attraction. There is such attraction that the enemy is offering younger people, the younger generation. You need to be circumspect. You need to be very careful that you not allow yourself to be deceived into into following after the things of this world. Now, listen... There's nothing wrong. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not preaching a clothesline uh, doctrine like the other people, the other you know, generations did. You can't go here, you can't go there, you can't do this, you can't do that. I'm not saying that. Because as soon as you start trying to identify what you can or you cannot do, you lose the whole revelation of why you can't do it. But young people, you need to be very careful that you don't, you need, you need to be very careful to discern what kind of things you participate in and to know in your heart what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing, what you should participate in, what you shouldn't participate in. Young people, as they come up in leadership in the church, must, must understand you have a responsibility to safeguard the presence of God in the church. You have a responsibility of safeguarding the move of God and not allow the, the, the things of this world. We are not to be conformed to this world. We are to be transformed with the renewing of our minds that we keep our church services holy and pure. Now, I'm not saying we can't make Uh, uh, concessions on little things I'm not saying that but I'm talking about we need to be very careful that we not grieve the Holy Spirit At Impact Family Church it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.